Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thank you so much again for joining me this week. So my motivational quote today to get us in the mindset for the topic is by Victoria Secunda, and the quote says this, a daughter is a mother's gender partner, her closest ally in the family confederacy, an extension of herself, and mothers are their daughter's role model, their biological and emotional roadmap, and the arbiter of all their relationships. Have you ever thought about how or if your relationship with your mother has influenced your career? Hmm. Ever felt or said any of these things? I'm going to exceed her dreams. I'm never going to end up like my mom. I'm raising my own daughter in the same or opposite way, and I have a strong reaction, positive or negative, with female bosses. Girls, we're going to figure this out and get a bead on reality with my guest, Alana Levitt. She's a top career counselor, uh, also a licensed professional counselor, and a licensed mental health counselor. Alana is going to help us deter- determine for once and for all what's mom still got to do with it. So, Alana, welcome, and thank you so much for coming on. And thank you so much for having me, Connie. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, I- I have to share with you, you know, listeners come up to me and and they're always saying, oh, what's your next topic? You know, who are you talking to? And where do you get your guests from? And I just want to do a little shout out to our buddy, Tracy Fink. I had her on, I don't know if you knew this, Alana, I had her on a couple of weeks ago, and Tracy works for Cohen Resnick for our listeners, just as a reminder, and she took her networking group from local in New Jersey, and now it's it's national, so kudos to my, my girlfriend there. Anyway, she introduced us, and recently, people have been coming up to me, oh, what's your topic going to be about this week? So I started sharing about what's mom got to do with it and the connection between mother and daughter and career. And it was so funny, Alana, because they started asking me questions. And I looked at them and I go, I don't know. You have to tune into the show. (laughs) That's great. And Tracy is fabulous. And she is actually, um, she's someone that I interviewed several times about the mother-daughter topic and has been unbelievably supportive to me also through my journey and doing this work and working on the book. Yeah, she, I tell you, she's definitely an inspiration. I just, I absolutely adore her. So I'm so excited that, um, and I'll just share with you, we were having lunch. I had never met her. We had been connected through a networking thing through a friend and Tracy and I spoke and came on the show. And then, um, we went out to lunch and as we're chatting, she happened to mention your topic and I looked at her and she looked at me and she goes, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I go, I think so. <laughs> I think Alana has to be on the show. That's great. Really That's cute. great. Well, yeah. thank you for having me. Yeah, my, my pleasure. All right. So I, I think I want to jump right into the topic and, and ask the question. So I, I would think that the listeners are saying, hmm, why mothers and daughters as to, as opposed to the fathers and daughters or siblings and, and you know, et cetera. So start to explain how you got this. How I got to the mother-daughter topic? Yeah, like how did, like, did a light bulb one day and go, oh, I see a connection. <laughs> uh, well, actually, what happened was, um, you know, it started a long time ago, I would say, as I was growing up, and I had a mother who was a psycho therapist and a psychoanalyst and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do um, with my career I knew I liked working with people 
but I wasn't sure I wanted to do exactly what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And when it was time to pick a major in undergraduate, I chose psychology, which in my, my mind was a little bit different from, you know, her background in social work. And then I went to graduate school for counseling psychology and organizational psychology. And mm-hmm. even though I was slightly aware that she was sort of in a similar field, I was very proud of myself that I was doing my own thing and going my own way until um, after graduate school, I wanted to start a private practice in Manhattan. And, you know, real estate can be extremely expensive. And I thought, oh, gee, my mother has an office on 33rd Street. Maybe I can rent from her. And we started talking about it. And I will never, ever forget the first day waiting for my first client. I made all these choices to do something different. And there I was literally sitting in her chair (laughs) waiting for my first client. And I thought, oh, my. That's cool, very cool, but very interesting journey there, the start of a journey. Very interesting. Yeah. So so I I was really struck, and, you know, I was doing different work. I am a career counselor. I'm a a mental health counselor. I have a clinical background, but I love the career piece. Um, And I think within a year, my mom and I started talking about our relationship Uh, There's a lot of father and son businesses out there, but not a lot of mothers and daughters who work together. And she and I decided to to start running some mother-daughter relationship workshops around the city. And we did that for 12 years, which was amazing work. Amazing. Wow. So I really began to, we saw probably 800 mother-daughter pairs over 12 years. Wow. And it wasn't career focused. Yeah, we were just looking at, um, their relationship, wanting to deepen it, improve it. Um, we had three generations of women, all cultures of women, and um, it was it was incredible. And we could have done more. We got invited to be on the Gail King show, and I hate to say at the time I didn't know who she was, but there was a lot of traction. And I kept saying, "But mom, I want to keep my own career." So I didn't it didn't put all my energy into that work, but it, it was a huge response to it. Wow. Who would have thought, yes. right? Who would have so thought, right? So, so it's interesting. Then it sounds like you and your mom kind of, kind of have a similar way of thinking to some extent, and have a good relationship at the core. Uh, well, you know, absolutely. And I think what happened, sadly, twelve years ago, is that she died of ovarian cancer. Oh, and so I know. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you that before. Oh. And it was absolutely devastating considering, I mean, we were so close and we worked together and she was my mentor and she was my supervisor in many ways. And sure. I couldn't, I couldn't touch the work for 12 years. And about oh, a few years ago, I started really listening more deeply to my female clients and listening mm. to where they got stuck. And I thought, you know, I've got to find a way to integrate the mother-daughter work, which is, I see how pivotal it, it has been to me, and I see in the work I do with my mom, and I've got to look at the connection between the mother-daughter relationship and women's career issues. And so, so I started again, more focused research, yeah. So, so again, you had all of those 800 mom and, mom and daughter or the, multi, like you said, the multi-generation. So you had quite a big database and core information from that, Did you use that in the book? You know, I use that in my background, in my thinking to understand the mother-daughter relationship. Okay. And then for the last uh, four or five years, I've been doing very focused interviews with about 50 women, particularly on the the issue of career. So this this is sort of an integration of, I'd say, 25 
30 years and then the 20 years before that just growing up with my mom. Just knowing, yeah, knowing the mom and, and daughter relationship at the, you know, when you're a kid, when you're a little kid. Now, I have, okay, so you've done all of this, you had all of these connections while you were doing the, the gigs with your mom, and then mm-hmm. you've continued your career, and again, trying to help women in their careers and getting unstuck and all those things. What made you come up with, or how did you come up with the theory with the five models that really the whole the whole um, premise is based on, correct? Correct. So there's a, I came up with a theory. I started thinking about my different clients and their relationships mm-hmm. with their mothers, and I started thinking about um, are there patterns of problems? You know, am I seeing patterns mm-hmm. of problems that you have this kind of relationship, I'm seeing these career problems. And, I, I, mm-hmm. and these patterns did start emerging, and to go back to an initial question you asked me a few minutes ago, why mother-daughter, not only because of my personal interest in the work I did with my mom, mm. but I think because um, because the, the quote you read in the beginning, you know, just raised hairs on my arm and made my heart melt. Um, yeah. You know, they are our role models. We are, they are our primary, in mo- many cases, our primary caregivers. And because mm-hmm. mothers and daughters are the same gender, psychologically speaking, we don't have to separate from them really until adolescence when we're ready. As opposed to boys, boys are different from their primary caregivers if those caregivers are mothers. And so developmentally, boys go through a very different process earlier on in life. Hmm. And I think that contributes to why the mother-daughter bond is more powerful, is more sticky, is more tricky. And there is a modeling um, of of everything and, and no need to separate until late adolescence. With boys, it's different. So I think we are starting out with a much different model. And I think this is interesting because we don't have male role models, female role models in life the way we have male role models because women are just catching up to where men are. So many of our mothers, if we're 40, 50, 60 years old, our mothers have not had the same opportunities that we have had. So I'm looking at this at a moment in time also that is very interesting. I wonder, this is very intriguing, and and I really hope everybody's saying, ooh, I want to listen to more. I mean, you totally have me intrigued here. But here, I wonder, and I think you will because you're, you're still young, that as the next generation of women, like like myself, I, do you have children? I don't even know that. I do. I actually have two boys. Um, oh, I have two boys too. Isn't that funny? Yeah, I think you know. I was blessed with boys, so I can better understand men because I should sure, get sure. women. Um, sure. So I have two boys who are thirteen and sixteen. Oh, so and they are smart. they are fabulous. Yeah, um, I love my boys too. Love my boys, but it's definitely a different dynamic and it's a different gender. Um, and I, I wonder, as time goes on, especially because you're a, a career counselor and, and a you know mental health counselor and all those things, that as your practice continues and continues to grow, and you see, let's say, I have boys, but let's say you, I had a daughter, and we came to you to build our relationship, whatever it might be, or she came to you uh, to say, I'm stuck in my career. I wonder if 
because we are more, and I use this very loosely, but women are becoming more powerful in the business mm-hmm. realm as compared to our, our month. So mm-hmm. I wonder what that shift is going to look like, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now as our daughters, you know, again, my peers in their late yes. 40s, 50s, uh-huh. as our, our kids start to get stuck in their careers, et cetera. It, do, you, do you foresee a, a little bit of a boop? you know, a left turn or a right turn? Well, you know, I think that things will shift, but I don't think that this, my work will be, it will be different. But to give you an example, I recently had a client who felt stuck and it wasn't Mm -hmm. because her mother was not a great role model, quite the contrary. Some of us have had very powerful, successful mothers. And sometimes when our mothers are powerful and successful, we get stuck in other ways because we can't, can't shine. We feel like we can't, uh, you know, we feel guilty to exceed them or we can never live, live up to their expectations because they're so successful. So sure. in a way, what this model is, it's not necessarily just for women who haven't had role models. But when we have had, like you and I, and I want to ask you about your mother in a minute, sure. you know, sure. I had a role model and, and those daughters, I'll tell you about my model in a minute. But when we have had role models, it puts different pressure on us because then we have to, we have to live up and we have to be as great as they are. And that's pressure Absolutely. also and sometimes can make women get stuck. Sure, sure. You know, it's, it's that whole... Um, I call it the record player in our head. You yes. know, I'm not good enough. How can I how can I become as good as my mom as successful? Exactly. Or if the mom is putting you down, oh my mother's right, I'm no good, I'm not worthy, exactly. I'm stupid, I'm ugly, you know, all of those right. negative blah 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 that yeah. we all have it. Uh, yeah, we all I have it. I actually call it the itty bitty shitty committee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard um I, love I I heard that once at at a at a talk, um and it just you know, we all have different ideas of, you know, the, the committee, but the, you know, we all have those voices that we yeah. have trouble getting rid of, you know, those, those old, old voices. They're old voices. And there, there are, everybody has demons. So, you know, every, everybody has, yeah, we, we have to address them at some point. Okay. Absolutely. So before we go on to the actual models, you're going to define the five models for us mm-hmm. and, and maybe share um, like a, you know, what the person might look like in each of those sure. so that the listeners could kind of relate. And when we come back, we'll do that. So let's take one quick break and then sure. we'll hit those five, five models, okay? Okay, great. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back, and we are talking about what's mom got to do with it. And we are on with Alana Levitt, who is a career counselor extraordinaire. 
So we are talking <laughs> we are talking about moms and, and daughters and the relationship and Alana through her career and through her studies have broken it into five core models. So if you can explain and give an example of each, that would be awesome. Okay, sure. So there's five daughter types that I have come up with and just to give you a visual, I mm-hmm. think of them um, and I have them painted out like the Russian stacking doll. One is inside the other, right? Because all of these daughters, you may see elements of yourself in all of them. And mm-hmm. I think that people may feel like they fit into two or three categories. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are developmentally a little bit younger than some others. But mm-hmm. um, but basically, you know, it's, it's a model that is not based on scientific research. This is based on um, my research and 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 my observations of women. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. some overlap. So it's not a rigid theory, and I just want to put that out there. But mm-hmm. starting with the sort of visually the smallest one, I have a puppy dog daughter. Mm-hmm. And what I see about the puppy dog daughter is that she's very childlike. Um, she may not have had enough mothering, um, so she's left wanting more. Um, when I do um, presentations, I have a... Um, a video clip in movies. I could talk about different daughters like that, but they have, they may have attachment issues. These are women who may not um, have had enough attachment. And there's a lot of theory in career about people who have had poor attachment and how that affects work relationships and so on. But she requires a lot of attention, reinforcement, hmm. and acknowledgement. Um, you know, in the workplace, you may have seen her like the difficult person. Um, mm-hmm. She may have unrealistic expectations of her boss because she, there's a lot of transference, right? There's a great mm-hmm. book out there, My Boss Is Not My Mother. <laughs> you know, but we always, we have transference at work. But Puppy Dog Daughter, she may have really unrealistic expectations. She wants to be taken care of. She feels like there's jealousy and sibling rivalry with colleagues. She tends to blame others. Mm. Um, she may seek approval, and but act in ways to make sure she doesn't get it. Um, but she's also, like, naive. She thinks, you know, she could keep job hopping, and she thinks she could do anything. And, and I, I should make it clear, we're talking about adult daughters in this conversation. So you may say, oh, that sounds like my 16-year-old or my 13-year-old or my 12-, 8-year-old. That may be appropriate to be a puppy dog then, but then sure. we expect people to get older, right, and to not sure, behave grow that up. way. Right, yeah, right, right. Exactly. Of course. Um, so I don't know if you have any questions about puppy dog. I could keep going on. I'll go on. Um, the next daughter is the kitty cat daughter. Mm-hmm. And you know, when my mom and I did our workshops, the one well, one question we asked in our workshops between mothers and daughters is, what animal describes your relationship and what texture and what color? It was a fascinating exercise. And the, the animal that came up the most, any guesses about what that was that describes the relationship? Say that again. I'm sorry. I Connie, that. What, no, that's okay. What animal between mothers and daughters, do you think would say, they say that describe their relationship the, be, the most? It was a kitty cat. Okay. Really? Because kitty cats, you know, the cats are like sweet and they'll snuggle, but one second they're snuggling and the next second the claws Independent. Come yeah. That, right? Well, and yeah, the mothers yeah, have yeah. no idea what they did or said to get the daughters <laughs> to react that way. They're like, one minute we were fine. The next minute she hung up on me. Oh, um, that's hilarious. Hilarious, right? So I have the kitty cat daughter as the second daughter because she's a little bit adolescent. Like one minute she's close and the next minute she's lashing out. 
um, so the mother might have been a bit controlling, right? Because the more we mm. hold on to our daughters, what mm. happens? The more they want to rebel. Like, don't tell sure. me what to do. Sure. So these kitty cat daughters are kind of like rebellion for the sake of rebellion. Like they want to do their own thing. They may do the opposite of what they're told. They're kind of adolescent, like looking for their identity. Um, so they may resent advice. Go ahead. I'm sorry. They're, they're, uh, that's okay. They're almost searching for like who they are. Is that, am I understanding that right? Yeah, exactly. Sort of like a typical adolescent, right? When okay. you're an adolescent, you're going sure. through your identity crisis. Sure, sure. So I think of these kitty cat daughters kind of like, um, like you said, still searching, maybe doesn't want a lot of advice from moms or bosses. Sure. Um, but they, they know it all. Are they, are, they, are, they, are they know it all kind, kinds of Maybe in, in one minute. <laughs> okay. 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 They may know it all and then they may not, you know. Okay. But they're kind of like a little bit adolescent. Um, and, okay, and then I have a butterfly daughter, and I did, I did add her last. She, she was the last one I added because I felt like she was missing. But that, butterfly daughters have had generally healthy relationships with their mother. Their mother may not have had the same opportunities, but they encourage their daughter to explore and become successful. And the mother might have been a very good role model for mothering, but mm-hmm. maybe didn't have her own career or not. Mm-hmm. You know, she might have worked, but she mm-hmm. might not have had a career. So sometimes butterfly daughters don't see their own path to success, and they have they have self-doubt, even though they shouldn't. I have friends and colleagues who are doctors, and they're mm-hmm. extremely successful, but there's always that little doubt, like maybe I should have been a different kind of doctor or mm-hmm. – you know, they get on a path. So, mm-hmm. And they also may be conflicted about working versus staying at home when she has her own children, mm-hmm. the butterfly daughter. So it's a really issue of role models. And then I have um, the copycat daughter. A copycat, mm-hmm. um, she sort of followed in her mother's similar footsteps, like me. And, again, mm-hmm. I'd like to hear about your mother, but I'll ask you right after these five. Sure, five. sure. Um, so daughter's probably close to her mother. Her mother was a good role model for work. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but she also may have insecurities because, like you said, we all have our baggage. Sure, sure. Um, but copycat daughter might have some issues about surpassing her mother, high pressure for achievement. Mm-hmm. Uh, she she may not outwardly express being unhappy. You know, copycats, mm-hmm. they kind of look like we have it all together. <laughs> um, <laughs> we may feel ashamed of our, some of our struggles, you know. Sure. Um, we want to be like our mother, but we want to be our own person. Sure. And, and we need to make sense of our differences from our mother. So sure. um, she used to be called the imperfect daughter um, because nobody's perfect, but I think my re- my reaction to that is people then wanted to be like her. Oh, I want to be the imperfect daughter. I want to be perfect, of course. you know. Of course, of course. Um, this last one, uh, this last one I really love because I feel like I, I I don't see a lot of these people as clients, but I see a lot of these people. They're my bootstrap daughters. Mm-hmm. And you know the idea of a bootstrap? Women who have to pick themselves up by their That's bootstraps. Up. Yep. Um, and keep they going forward. Yep, they were the grown-ups in the relationship with their mothers. So they might have had a mother who was an immigrant 
or unavailable for other reasons, maybe an addiction or an illness. Um, but these are daughters who, who are very responsible and have to take care of other people. They're very grounded, but they grew up having to be in charge. Um, so she works very hard and to live an organized, controlled life, right? She's, and she may also have more secretly questioned her career, but um, but she looks great on the outside with very high expectations and not showing a lot of self-doubt. Um, she doesn't want to disappoint anyone. Um, so bootstraps are strong women, um, but but they had to be the grown-ups in that relationship. So that that's basically a little overview. Do you see yourself in any of those? Totally. Totally. As soon as you said it, I knew which one. I was giggling, and I, I said, I'm not going to interrupt. I want to hear all of them, because just because the one happened to resonate with me didn't mean that that would have been the best match. Uh, but absolutely the butterfly. And I was uh, almost giggling when you said the butterfly, because I have very high energy. And growing uh-huh. up, my, my dad used to call me the little butterfly. I was here, uh, there, really? there. Blah, blah. Yeah, so isn't that funny? But um Really healthy relationship with my mom. Uh, my mom, you know, grew up. She was born in, in 1929 when the Depression hit. Uh-huh. And uh, she was uh, the oldest of five daughters. And mm-hmm. she, my my grandfather, who was an immigrant to this country, believed in, in education and, and what the United States had to, you know, offer. And she was going to go to college. But, of course, she didn't because they needed the money and she had to go work and contribute to the household. And uh-huh. um, her later on, her younger sisters went as adults to college. So my mom never got her degree, uh, was a stay-at-home mom until we were in, in, in college ourselves. And then the income was needed to help. My mom and dad paid for most of our college. We had four kids in my family. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. So, yeah, my mom, very hardworking. The house was, you know, her palace because obviously that's where she was and resided, um, handled the budget with, with food and, and everything. Again, because growing up, we were, you know, we're not wealthy by any stretch right. of imagination. And it's funny because my mom and dad actually, from when we were little kids, would always say, you could be anything you want to be. Mm. make sure you be the best at it. Like, don't go in right. that fast. Always go in and, and try your hardest at whatever that is. Um, but she, you know, always. And look what you've been able to do, which is amazing. Well, and the other thing I just wanted to share, when I was 39, um, you know, I got downsized. I had worked for a bank, and I knew I wanted to open my own business and do the consulting, which is what I've been doing for the past 14 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a baby. And so I actually had two kids at the time. And who wow. do you get to babysit? And if I was committed to train at a client, they had 20 people scheduled. I couldn't call in sick. My mom mm-hmm. and dad babysat for me. They were retired. So they babysat, and my husband and I set the ground rules, and my mom and dad implemented that. So I always say wow. to my parents, I am who I am because of you guys. I've accomplished what I've accomplished because they they allowed that opportunity where my kids were sick. It didn't matter. They were sick. didn't matter. I went on and I went to work. That's so great. The, yeah. The Do you think it was hard been, for you to um, have the guts to go out on your own because you didn't have a role model of, of seeing a woman, your well, mom, who has done that? 
it's funny because no, <laughs> and That's I right. mean yes. Was was I terrified? Of course I was. Um, yeah. But I had I had a wonderful package from the company I had worked with. I you know was a senior vice president, had been with the bank thirteen years, so I had a thirteen month package. But here's the kicker: my dad um, later in life, I guess he was in his forties, and he started his own business. He was an engineer, ah. and so he started his own business. So I think because. My home life was so stable because mom was there. Um, right. My dad always, you know, worked very, very hard. But my mom worked hard in the house and helped yep. us with my my mom should have been a teacher. So mm-hmm. academically, we all excelled because when we came home, she would be able to help us with, with her homework because she's a highly intelligent woman. Uh-huh. So, so isn't that That's interesting? Great. Yeah, she should have been a teacher, and she was a teacher for us. So I feel right. like I had, I'm the luckiest kid alive. Like That's I had great. it all, you know? Yeah, That's yeah. Great. And so, I'll also just say that the role of siblings and the father is incredibly important in this picture. I don't want to give the impression that it's just sure. about mom. It's just that I'm looking at the mom piece of it, but the role of the father and the siblings are both extremely influential also in a woman's development. Well, can I share a story? Um, when I was in high school, and I remember my brother was a senior when I was, uh, I was graduating eighth grade, and he was graduating high school. So he was in college, and I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. We were exactly like four years apart almost to the day. So I remember my first freshman semester, I had straight A's. So I, I liked school. I love learning. So I did well in school. So I came home, I had straight A's, and he says to me, yeah, big deal. Let, let's see if you can have straight A's for four years. And he, I looked at him, and he goes, I bet you can't. You're, like, too stupid or whatever his comments were. And I go, you're on. What do I get if I get straight A's by the end? So whatever wow. that made. Well, do you know, I thought, he, there was no, because I'm very competitive, too. There's no way he's beating me on this. I ended up right, with a 4.0. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awesome. But yes, we could be motivated and influenced by many, many people. It's it's really, you know, you look back, like having this conversation, and I look back. I haven't thought about that in years. I but know. It ha- it's all in yeah. there, right? Yeah, the family dynamic, it really, it's it's impactful in how we think about oh, yeah. things, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I want to just do another quick pause and ask okay. our listeners, um, you know, are you guys listening to this and saying, whoa, she, she's on to something. And the ladies listening, are they seeing themselves in the categories? And the dads listening who have adult females, are you going, hmm, that's definitely my daughter. So if you have a story that you'd love to share, I'm going to also give you uh, Alana's information. Because, right, Alana, we want to hear their stories. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> We love this stuff. So if you have a story that you want to share or something's resonating with you or you were stuck and you got unstuck by dealing with relationships or female relationships, um, reach out to us and share that story. My email is Connie at WhitmanAssos.com, and I will spell it. So it's C-O-N-N-I-E at Whitman, W-H-I-T-M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C. Dot com. Also, you can call me directly at 732-888-1420, and you could go to my website, and also you can follow me on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you go to my website, you can connect on all those platforms. My website is www.whitmanassos.com, again, W-H-I-T, 
M-A-N-A-S-S-O-C.com. And Alana, she would love to hear your info. I would think it would also enhance the um, the theory as well as people reach out that were outside Absolutely. of your mm-hmm. yeah. So um, Alana's email is Alana Tolpin Levitt. I'll spell it I L A N A T like Tom O L P like Peter I N L Larry E V like Victor I T T Tom Tom at gmail.com, one more time, Alana Tolpin Levitt, so I-L-A-N-A-T-O-L-P-I-N-L-E-V-I-T-T, it was like a rhyme, at gmail.com, or call her directly on her cell at 908 area code 812-2245. So share your stories. We'd love to hear them, okay? All right, so now back to the five role models. And um, as you started to go through this process, did it become your, your, your research, et cetera, did it become clearer and clearer, these five categories? Um, it did. You know, I had four categories for a long time. And then um, I found that women like you, I, wa- I wanted people to be able to identify with at least one, maybe more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Butterfly, um, she became more clear to me as I started thinking about it and talking to more people and really combing through um, all of my uh, people that I've met with and, and just thinking about this. So, um, you, you know, people, again, may not fit neatly into one of them, but it's the idea of it is really to, like you said, think about the family influence as a mechanism for getting unstuck or making decisions, really thinking about are your value, are they your values you're struggling with? Are they someone else's values? Are, did you make decisions because you were interested in something or because your parents pushed you towards something? You know, a lot of sure. people sure. make choices because, you know, they score slightly higher on a, a SAT or, or a grade and, we, I think in the society with too much focus on skill-based decisions when mm. people have very different learning styles. I work with enormous numbers of very creative people who are non-traditional learners perhaps. And mm-hmm. I think that people, the bottom line is that people have to get in touch with their true selves to make good decisions. And then when we're stuck in the family influence, um, sometimes they haven't been our own decisions or we don't feel good about ourselves because of something we did or didn't do as in comparison to people in our family. So I, I really present the model not so much so people can choose one and, and say, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to launch out of it, but to say, gee, wow, there really is a huge impact from, from my whole life that has gone into everything I am today. Yeah, and and I think also, you know, as parents, right, we happen to be parents of boys, and sometimes, you know, the kids will say something, and I bet other other moms are are relating to this, and I look at them and I say, you know, you didn't come with a user manual. Exactly. I'm doing the the best I can, you know, with what we know, but sometimes you, you... you know, you look at the situation and you're, I don't know. So the other thing that I think 
my our generation again i don't how old are you can i ask that I don't, i'm sure i just turned 50 and i'm proud okay so you're i'm 53 so we're peers but i have a lot of friends who have kids that are a little bit older i have a sister who has mm-hmm. um three children that are older so a lot of times i'll call her and go all right this is what's going on i want to rip his face off or i want to kill mm-hmm. him you know and you, you, what do I do? How do I handle it? I don't want to squash his enthusiasm, but I, I also don't want to make a mistake. And, I, and mm-hmm. I find that women, we will talk to other women where oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think my mom had a lot of friends because mm-hmm. it was what it was from a technology standpoint. She was home. There weren't, you know, jimborees and play dates like you know, right. my kids had. So she really was home alone, and I think did the best she could with what she knew, right? Absolutely, yes. I mean, she probably was a bit more isolated. But we saw that in the mother-daughter workshops that my mom and I did, is that the biggest problem, the biggest, biggest problem that we saw was some kind of shame or feeling of failure on the mother's part that somehow their daughter did not turn out the way she envisioned or the relationship is not what she wants it to be and the mothers feel shame. And that was very hard to see because, you know, in our society, it's not okay to be a mama's boy, but, you know, there's an expectation that women will be close to their mothers, but the relationship can be fraught with a lot of conflict and they can be, very complicated relationships. We used to start our workshops and people would say to me and my mom, tell us the secret to, to being friends. And I'm like, well, we're not friends. We're a great mother-daughter, but I have my life and she has her life. And that's really a problem when each person doesn't have their own lives. And I think the life was different in the past, but, but part of the huge accomplishment of our workshops and what I hope to do is, is to do these kinds of workshops again in the future once the book is out is to help break some of the isolation and the shame and sure. realize that this is a this is a piece, but it's very normal and natural for these relationships to be a bit complicated and conflicted. Yeah, and, and I love, and I really try to um, pick topics. And when, you know, uh, Tracy shared the premise of, of our topic today, I looked at her and said, what, like, brilliant, right? How come we haven't heard of this before? And mm-hmm. I, I really hope that everybody listening is saying, I get that. And it's, it's not good. It's not bad. It, it just is. What is, is. And right. how can you grow with that new piece of information? How do you grow from there? So my next question is, where do you find that women seem to get stuck or is there a point in their career that they get stuck? Like what do you, what do you typically see? Well, what I see in my practice anyway and with friends and with other people mm-hmm. is that sometimes it's a question of having chosen the wrong thing early on in their career. Sometimes it's an issue of being underemployed, so making less money than they're really worth. Oh, wow. um, having turbulent work relationships, maybe low self-esteem, conflicted about work-life balance, you know, children, that's a huge one. You know, how do I have a career and have my family too? Um, I see displaced homemakers. I see divorce and women having to get back in the workforce, mm-hmm. um, women seeking more creativity, people feeling stuck due to anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. um, difficulty making decision, a bad performance review that they have no idea what they might have done. Um, So I think 
you know, people, uh, so the answer is no, I don't think there is one particular thing. I think life is difficult and having a career is difficult, having a career and being a mother. I'm so grateful that I've been able to have a career and parent my kids. I also work um, part-time at a university doing organizational development and human resources. And I'm, I'm so fortunate that I'm able to do that three days a week and I'm able to do my, my private practice for 25 years on a part-time basis um, and be able to do this, this kind of work that I love because I see for women, it really is a struggle. This all or nothing. You're either in the workforce or you're not. Um, And I think many women are trying to find real satisfaction and be able to parent the way they want to as well. Yeah. And it's funny because again, I feel so fortunate that, you know, my office is in my home as well. And at 39, I was able to, like I said, launch my, my business because of the support of both my mom and dad mm-hmm. and my kids, the values and like the rule, I'll give you one example. The rule was they came home from school. This was from kindergarten. And the first thing they did is, you know, mom would have an apple cut for them or whatever, a healthy snack. And they would sit at the counter and they would do their homework. And then after mm-hmm. their homework was done, then they could go out and play and do whatever. And my mom and dad would play ball, et cetera. But that was the rule. And it's funny because my kids, to some extent, they're both in high school now, come home, they do their homework first thing. So mm-hmm. it, I, I don't even know that they think about it. I think it's just right, I get right. the homework done, and then I could go up to the pond and skate, or I could go and do this. Right. So That's great. It, yeah. And, and they, my mom and dad didn't raise them their way. They, we really had to talk about this of what do you want. And these right. are the things that were important to my husband and I. So it's That's um, great. Yeah, it's interesting. I wish your parents were in my house because my kids take a nap and then start at 10 at night. Oh, my goodness gracious. Okay. No, I, I, that is crazy. Yeah, they, they're, yeah, they're too tired at that hour. Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. then they don't want to go to sleep till 2 a.m. You know? uh, no kidding. I know. It's the sports boys. thing. Um. Boys. <laughs> so, okay, is there a test or a set of questions that, women or if there's you know i mean i'm sure dads are listening too saying oh my goodness i want to help my daughter is mm-hmm. there is there a way to determine where the core issues are for them being stuck like is there a thought process that you teach them um you know i do have a couple of questions on my website and i and also an article that i wrote for a parenting magazine to look at how you can help your younger child not get stuck so that when they are 30, 40, 50, they are not struggling with some of the career issues that I'm seeing in my private practice. And, um, you know, I think, like we said earlier when you and I spoke, it's such a complicated topic. It is. um, That I think, and, and, you know, the questions I came up with on my site just to get people thinking but it's so personal and so individual that I think, you know, in my heart, I know if people know it, if they're stuck because of one of these issues. You know, I think my response is, you know, as a parent, you can support your kids to really explore their own interests and not your interests and sure. um, let them um, not pressure them to settle down before they're ready, in particular for women to not feel rejected by their daughter's separation and exploration of her own things. Because, you know, when we're pregnant and when our mothers were pregnant, I think, you know, we think about who is that 
child going to be inside? Are they going to be like me? Are they going to not be like me? And sometimes for mothers and daughters, when a daughter grows up and becomes very different from the mother and maybe looks like the father and makes choices that really are not in the mother's scheme of what she thought, it can feel like a betrayal or rejection. And then the way the mother responds contributes to the daughter feeling self-doubt or bad about herself, you know? So I think some of this truly, truly, truly is about separation and a mother working on herself. And it's a very difficult thing. I mean, I'm dealing with a 16 year old boy separating and I'm struggling with the fact that I can't control everything that he does. (laughs) And I imagine for a girl, right. When we let our daughters go and when our mothers let us go, it, it um it's one a beautiful thing that they let us go and fly and it's another thing if their choices are not what we would make for ourselves. Yeah, it, it's funny. I'll share a funny story. After I had my first son, and you know, of course, my mom came and 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 she lives locally. My I, I live several blocks from my mom. Typical Italian, uh-huh. I tell you. We're all nice. my whole family. That's yeah, great. we're all together. You know. So anyway, she would come. No separation. Yeah. Yeah. Not like no separation, right? And it's funny because my mom and dad. Of course, my dad has a key to the house if we go away or something. My uh-huh. mom and dad, till this day, will never just pop over. They will always call and say, oh, we That's have awesome. something for the kid. Yeah, they really respect the boundaries, which, yeah. again, my, my husband and I both appreciate. But anyway, so my mom was coming over, and I would do laundry, and she would help me fold it, just to get the rhythm with this new baby. And, of course, I was home for six weeks, and I had never been home. I always worked, right? Uh-huh. And then I remember at the end of the six weeks, I started crying. And she goes, why are you crying? I go, because I'm not going to get to hang out with you anymore. This oh. is so much fun. So wasn't that funny sweet. because, That's sweet. you know, right from, right from college, you know, you're working, 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 and the separation right. was there. And yeah. then here we got so close over that six weeks again. Right? I Isn't think that so interesting? Become, yeah, mothers do. I think daughters do become closer to their mothers when they become mothers. For yes. Sure. Yes, it was yeah. almost like a peer relationship where, you know, my mom used to say, you hate me, good, I'm doing my job. You know, I'm not here to be right. <laughs> Exactly. So but yeah, by the same was, token, if women have lost mothers early in life, yeah. at 20, at 30, there's yeah. a very interesting and complicated dynamic that happens when they hit that age that their mother no longer lives, that sometimes they feel like they don't know how to do it because they never saw it from their mother. Yeah, I have a friend who mom died when she was in her 20s. She wasn't even married. And we talk about that often about what her mom did give her. And, Mm -hmm. you know, how would my mom have taught me this or that? And her mother-in-law was there, which was a blessing. But it wasn't her mom. It's different, you know. Right. But if her mom died at, let's say, age 50, when she hits hits age 50, she may feel another surge of loss. And confusion, yeah. right? Because I will be aware this is how now. deep it is, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be, she's she's in her late 40s now. But now that you just said that, because she's my dearest friend, I will be very aware of that to make sure that I give her extra support. That's great. <laughs> you know? That's great. That's great. <laughs> All right, let's, let's take one more really quick break, and then we have about okay. 14 minutes. And then I'd like if you could share when we come back maybe some strategies to help with, you know, that whole uh, mother-daughter, the listening, and how to approach and maybe strategize on how to start thinking about how maybe to get unstuck, okay? So let's take a uh, quick pause, and then we'll come back. It's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn. 
It's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return. It's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees. Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path, and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Okay, we are back. We have just under 14 minutes, and Alana is going to share with us, I hope, some strategies. So you guys, get your paper and pens out, um, share today, because can I tell you, I've taken a million notes since you've been talking. Uh, it's, it's fascinating. It's just so fascinating to learn something that is just a foreign concept. I've never thought about this. So I love it. It's intriguing. I hope everybody is intrigued. So what are some strategies that, that you can help us to implement, to kind of smooth sail or keep us unstuck or get us unstuck? Well, the first thing I would say is think about where you are stuck. Um, My career counseling philosophy, when I see clients, um, it's not so much that people can't get what they want. Sometimes they don't know what they want. Mm. And my basic feeling is that career you have to be aligned with four things. You have to be aligned with your interests. You have to be aligned with your skills. And, and there's all kinds of skills, but mostly your transferable skills, the mm-hmm. skills that, you know, take from, from job to job. Mm-hmm. You need to be aligned with your values. You need to be aligned with your personality. So a lot of my work is helping people doing assessments so they really understand who they are in terms of mm-hmm. their interests and their skills and their values and their personality so they can move. And when we Look at where people are stuck. Sometimes their values are out of alignment. You know, somebody mm-hmm. might have said, look, I always wanted to be a social worker and help people, but they wanted to make a lot of money, you know, sure. or, you know, they're stuck somewhere in that or, you know, their interests are, you know, I knew of a client who um, their mother would only, she was playing clarinet and she was also um, doing sports. Well, she, the mother was a big sports person and would not go to one single concert of the, band, of the clarinet, not one, but did oh not miss goodness. a sports game, not one, right? So you well, think, well, what messages do you have? Then they grow up and they really love music, but they feel terrible about their music or they sure. feel it's undervalued or it's not. So we have to dig a little into each person's story and mm-hmm. say, what's out of alignment? Are your interests, skills, values, personality, or is this? a relationship dynamic that you're having a problem with. So the first thing I would say is really think about what's not right mm-hmm. and and try to clarify that either with, you know, there's great resources out there, what color is your parachute, some yes. self-assessment. Um, but also think about, um, like we said before, you know who mentioned the Itty Bitty Shitty Committee was Ashley Judd. I heard her at the American, <laughs> American Counseling Association giving a keynote. And she's the one who said it about those demons. And you're mm-hmm. right. We have to, like, turn the volume down. A mm-hmm. great colleague of mine, she helps her clients literally visualize 
these people who are saying these things, even if it's mm-hmm. ourselves, and putting them on a bus and watching the bus go far, far away. Sure, you know, sure. Like, get the negativity out of out of the equation. Um, so, so I think you also have to look. I help clients look at patterns of problems. What are the patterns that seem to follow you, either at work or in your search for work? Sure. As human beings, sometimes we have a called a repetition compulsion, right? We be comfort in the familiar, so we mm-hmm. may unconsciously choose a bad female boss mm-hmm. if we've had an, a, you know, maybe someone had an alcoholic mother and maybe mm-hmm. she stopped drinking, but she still has that moodiness and mm-hmm. you know and maybe sometimes we keep picking bosses that are like her and then we react to them the same way sure. or maybe people have a pattern where they keep um you know at work they um on the job search they sabotage themselves when they get an offer and then they start being really demanding of I want you you know I want this salary I want this and they don't negotiate that properly. And and mm-hmm. so if a client comes, the first thing I'll do is say, what's the pattern that we're looking at? And I think for all of this, making it all conscious as a first step to change really is the issue. You know, because if we're conscious, so much, so much of this is unconscious, sure. right? Our memories from zero to six years old, pre-conscious, and that's where we get so many of our things ingrained from our parenting and our mothers so making it conscious I'll give you an example if we you had a mother who was petrified of snakes and you saw a snake and she screamed when you were two years old you're going to have imprinted snakes are bad and they're scary if you had a mother who was totally into nature and said oh my god what a beautiful little snake and picked it up and pet it you're not going to be afraid of snakes and we don't even know that as adults. Half of, you know, so much of what goes on in our lives is really unconscious. And so I think trying to make it conscious and asking yourself, am I happy? If I'm not happy, why aren't I happy? What seems to be going on with me? It's so easy to look at other people and blame situations. Yes. Sure. But I think taking a step back and saying, what am I bringing? And does this have anything to do with my past? is the biggest strategy, it's the biggest tip I can give everybody listening. You know, it's so, and it, I think that's so insightful, Alana, because the, um, and even in my training, you know, I tell people you have to just stop and, and analyze and assess at what point in the sales process or what point in the mm-hmm. communication process with the customer mm-hmm. Do you get the knot in the stomach or do they give you an objection? You go, alrighty then, see you later. Exactly. You know, where, where do you, where do you break down? And if you mm-hmm. stop and really analyze yourself, it becomes very clear, but we're rushing to do the next thing. I better do more. Mm-hmm. I better do more that we never mm-hmm. stop to just shine that light for a minute to say, wait a minute, this is what I need to work on. Exactly. And it really, it really does become clear. Unfortunately, you know, I, I know a lot of moms are working moms that are listening, and even the stay-at-home moms, we're running all the time. And mm-hmm. you know, you're working, and you're stressed out, and then you're in traffic, and then you get home, and you have to throw laundry, and you got to get cooking on the table, and look at the kids' homework, and then you know, for the, if you have little ones, get the bath done, and 
you mm-hmm. never stop to say, why am I unhappy or where am I stuck? Exactly. Because we're just, we're running, you know, it's, exactly. it's a double-edged sword. It really is a double-edged sword. And I'm not sword. suggesting that women all should have careers. I mean, for some women, it's wonderful to have the opportunity sure. to be home, but this is a lifetime process, you know, so even sure. if you're home now, what is it like to re-enter or if you're re-entering, sure. you know, there's no right or wrong. It's just no. a question of where you're uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah, and it's funny because I have um, an older sister. She's a pharmacist and has always worked and Mm -hmm. was able, um, when the children were little, she has the three, uh, one's Ph.D., one just graduated, and one is still at Rutgers uh, Junior. And she was able to do a three-day work week while while they were little. And then mm-hmm. once they got into high school, you know, college was looming, and she was able to transition back into full-time. But now she was a pharmacist. So mm-hmm. by her staying the course, she was up to date on the new drugs and, you know, right. all of the regulation. So she was very fortunate. And then my younger sister stayed home. She worked in Manhattan, uh, got married, uh, got pregnant, and stayed home. And with her two mm-hmm. two children, and now uh, again, college was looming. Like my mom, more like my mom, and now she's back in the in the work uh, fields, working in a school. So it's just interesting, right within my own family, the three of us women, and then mm-hmm. I have a brother. But how each of us have chosen a, a different path, and exactly, you, you have to do. There's no right or wrong, and no. you really have to do what's what's right because some people are better moms because they do stay home. I always exactly. say I was, I was a better mom. I needed to work. I needed, I needed that. It made me better at home. So right, you have exactly. To, you well, have I felt know, the same way. Yeah, you have to know yourself, and you, you know, obviously, you have to know your kids. And it's interesting because my kids are very organized, and my friends find that hysterical, especially because they're boys. Right. And I, but I said from when they were little, I couldn't do it alone. You know, you're working and, right. and mom, so. There, there were tours. Everybody had their role in the house. Yeah, yeah. So now the stay-at-home moms see my kids doing their own laundry, and and they look at me, and and the boys, their friends will come over and say, "Don't let your mom talk to my mom." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you know what? Just back to the model. I think we assume that if we've had the same mom, different sisters, like you were talking about, you and your sisters will be the same kind of daughter. But that's not true because we all have no. different temperaments. Our mothers yeah. mother each child differently. So everybody really grows up, you know, doing their own thing. And also just, again, the three of us in in same household, same parents, you know, the whole thing. And all three of us definitely fall within a different character that you have mm-hmm. outlined. Right. So isn't that interesting? Again, same house, you know, all women. Right. Same with me and my sister. And, you know, shout out to um, – Shout out to my, my brother had two boys. I had two boys. And my sister, um, who's a little bit older than me, has a three-and-a-half-year-old uh, three girl, the first girl in the family, who was born on the half birthday of my mom. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so she, she's named after my mom. So oh, we, we, we got our girls to carry on. Uh, can I tell you, with this topic, your sister's got a lot of pressure on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she, you know, she's in business. She, she did a different direction, you know, and so um, we really each did our own, our own things. And, you know, I, I think that, again, and I'll just speak from my mom's perspective, three daughters who are living their life the way we should. Each of us have the life we want. You know what I mean? They're very different. But mm-hmm. 
all very happy, you know. So right. for me, at the core, I think my mom and dad, you know, I'll give a little shout out to dad here too. But I <laughs> think that they they taught us to just what makes you happy will make everybody around you happy, you know, the people right. in your orbit. So I and I think that's a beautiful gift too. Because you know what? Absolutely. And I say I tell my kids when they complain, I go, you know what? Go pay for therapy when you're older. I'm doing the best <laughs> I can, right? Exactly. So we giggle. But the reality is, I, and and everybody should respect this, our parents did the best they could with Absolutely. whatever demons they were fighting, you know? As we are doing the best we can as parents. Sure. I mean, that's the thing. And I think that's a beautiful thing in the mother-daughter relationship from the workshop, that once daughters realize, I think our moms didn't share a lot of their struggles, unless they shared too many of their struggles. Sure. But I think once they're, we look at them for their strengths and their limitations, we can accept their relationship better. Right, because if we see their limitations, then we may feel like it's our own limitation. Like when our mothers didn't stand up to their husbands, you know, we, then it triggers our own insecurity. So sure. I think you're absolutely right that they did the best they can, and we are doing the best we can. Sure, and that's why I love I love that you came on and shared this just awesome topic because it it really is like an onion, and you put that in one of your articles that as we peel back layers of ourselves. All of these different topics makes you look at it from just a different perspective, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's the perspective that you need to say, "Oh, this is the piece I was missing." So okay. I, I just I hope everyone listening, you know, responds and sends us those emails and phone messages because this is how we know that we're getting really cool information out there that's relevant. Yeah, Connie, would you just share? My website, because I think you shared my email before, but not the website. Or I, I am absolutely, it. isn't that funny? I, I was going to say we're out of time. So, mm-hmm. um, again, I'm going to give uh, Alana's email, phone number, and website so that you can log on to the website. The, there's an re- awesome article uh, that you could click on. And I am going to put the link to the article on the little write-up on the webtalkradio.net website. But you can email Alana directly again at Alana Tolpin Levitt. So it's I-L-A-N-A-T like Tom, O-L, P like Peter, I-N, L-E, V like Victor, I-T-T, Thomas Thomas, at Comcast.net. Her direct line is 908 area code 812-2245, and you can go to her website at www.alanalevitt.com, and I'll spell it, I-L-A-N-A-L-E-V-I-T-T dot com. Um, I'm so sad that our time is up. I'm sure that we could go on for another hour or two on this topic. So I I know. I hope, I really hope, Alana, everyone um, did take some notes about the five models and the examples and strategies that you gave for that kind of self-assessment and just looking to figure out where to start and how to get unstuck. Again, thank you so much for being on and taking the time to be on the show. And thank you so much. And I really appreciate the opportunity. And and I just want to comment on one more thing. If they go to your website and they fill out that little um, information, you will respond to them, yes. correct? Yes, and absolutely. It, 
once they get into your website, I would assume that they put their email address. So when the book does is published, they will be able to get a copy as well, correct? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. And in the book, okay. we, we're going to have more tips, specific strategies for each of the daughter types. Love it. Awesome. And it, it's a, it, I, I can't wait to read it because I just think it's an awesome guide. Um, so thank you for sharing this valuable, valuable uh, content. It, it, it was awesome. Um, everyone out there, I hope you'll join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves, just what we were talking about today, so that we really can embrace change and realize um, change is possible and easier than we often think. Sometimes it's just changing that perspective. Thank you again, Alana, for being my awesome guest. Thanks for the insight and the info shared. Thank you all for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have an awesome week and go out and just do a little self-assessment this week. That's your assignment. Again, thank you. Have a wonderful, exciting, and happy week. See you all next week.